welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. I do quite a lot of teaching, but I'm not a preacher. But those people who know me and see me teaching will know that I like quite full notes, very full notes. So this is scary for me this morning because, and I've heard other people talk about this moment, (laughs) here's my notes and I don't think we're going to do much of it. We are going to start with what I intended to start with and we are going to look at the subject that I intended to look at but I don't think it's going to come out quite the way I intended. I just felt that I wanted us to look at who we are as church, what we should look like as church, what it means to walk in the spirit and be stepping out in the spirit. And I'm going to do that In a moment, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read the first eight verses. And I'm just going to use that as a bit of a framework for what it is we should look like. And it just seems more apparent to me today that this is what God is doing. He's bringing, you know, the the lady said, pressing a reset button, bringing us back to what we should look like. And personally, I've had this thing since last year about how God was going to come and revolutionise the way we do things. Revolutionise lots of things in our country, including what church looks like, to bring us back to the pattern that he wants because we've gone off track. We've gone off track because we've allowed worldly thinking to invade us. So I'll carry on in a moment, but let's just read from Romans 12 and I used the New American Standard Bible so it may sound a little different from what comes up on the screen but it means the same of course. Therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts 
in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And you can, in your own time, go on to read the rest of the chapter, what it looks like to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and so on. So what should we be looking like? I think we think we've got it taped. Um, but you know, I was talking around this same kind of subject at a young leaders conference a few weeks ago. And um, it just so happened that it had been my birthday. And um, my, we've got four grandchildren and one of my 14 year old grandchildren's sent me a card, a birthday card, that her mum had sent to her friend. So her mum and her friend thought it was a big joke, but they're in their late 30s, you see. So my 14-year-old granddaughter thought, well, that's just the right card then to send to my grandma. <laughs> On the front of the card, it said, flash, and your youth is gone. And inside, she put exactly what her mum had put to her friend. Ha ha, you're getting old. <laughs> so obviously when you're in your late 30s, this is a funny card to send to your similar age friend. But when you're, <laughs> when you're my age, it's not quite as funny. But the point is, what it said on the front of the card, flash and your youth is gone. We could actually put flash and your life is gone. Because that's what the Bible says, that it's just a moment. Our earthly existence is just a moment against eternity. And what, what we're about is eternal life and walking in something that is for eternity. We have an eternal hope. And therefore, our perspective and our lives should be shaped by our eternal hope. But what happens is we allow the world to shape us by its way of thinking. You know, sometimes we've still not shook off those things of the old man, the person we were before we became a Christian. They're still shaping us. And then current trends out there in the world will invade us as a church and they will shape us. And actually we then find we're not looking a deal different to the, you know, bridge playing club down the road or the bowling team up the road do you know what I'm saying it's time for us to look different and um, somebody nearly touched on this this morning but let's just look at that first verse therefore I urge you brethren you know Paul is starting off with that word therefore and as you've probably heard before, that means he said something important that we've got to bear in mind. And the thing that he said that's important that we've got to bear in mind is the, the whole of the past 11 chapters of Romans, where Paul has opened out the glory of the gospel and the glory of what God has done for us through sending his son Jesus Christ and the glory of what he's doing to form a special people, a chosen people and how we are part of that. Basically, the glory of just about everything God has done and is uh, planned to do in those first 11 chapters. 
So when he gets to this verse, therefore, he's saying, so what's our response to that? And our response to that is to present ourselves to God as the living and holy sacrifice. That sacrifice means that's it. It's the end of me. So I was talking yesterday about our baptism, that when we go down under the water, we are buried with him in baptism. We are saying we've died with him. And then when we come out of the water, we are signifying the fact that we are raised with him to be a new creation. So what does Galatians 2.20 tell us? I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I'm supposed to have died in terms of the things that um, I would like in life. You know, to spend three months every year at the worst time of our year in Hawaii, sunning myself. Or to be able to have a guided tour around all the best spots in the world. Or just to have a nice quiet life and have enough. Whatever my aims and ambitions are, I'm died to that. I'm supposed to be the living sacrifice. You are supposed to be the living sacrifice. Living in that you're still breathing and here. But sacrificed to God and the plan that he's set out in the first 11 chapters of Romans. And then as we do that, we're supposed to be walking in the spirit and shaped by the spirit by our experience of God as we walk with him, not just by our cerebral understanding. So you might say, oh, I know all about the first 11 chapters of Romans, Jenny, and I know all about chapter 12. And in fact, I've studied the Bible and I've read it in every way I can, in every version, and I understand it. But are you experiencing God on a daily basis as you walk with him? In your prayer life, are you experiencing him? His encouragements, his um, maybe leading of you into something, whatever. We're supposed to be encountering him in our experiences as well as our cerebral understanding. But then when we have experiences of him, we're not supposed to just build our whole life on one or two experiences, we're supposed to test our experiences against the scripture. You know, Paul met a group of people from Berea. And it says about the Bereans that they didn't just listen to Paul, but they went back and they tested everything he said against the scriptures. Yeah? And you know, when you hear when you hear people like me this morning don't just take hold of what I've said go home and test it against the scriptures when you read the latest blockbusting novel or the latest book that is swirling around in the Christian world don't just read it and think wow test it against the scriptures we're supposed to be walking in the knowledge of the truth and with the spirit 
And so we are this living sacrifice given up to God, testing and walking by the Spirit, testing things by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. But in verse 2, it asks us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's so much um, spotlighting on that one verse at the moment because so many people take hold of that verse that says be transformed by the renewing of your mind and take it out of context to mean that uh, when I'm struggling with stuff in my head I've just got to tell myself certain truths and I can change my mindset and so on and well isn't this like some of the methods of counselling and help that's around now so it must be good it must be right actually it's not saying that when you break it all down it's talking about the fact that we're transformed or metamorphosized into a different being so we come back to the thing that was in the first verse that we've died and we've become a new creation just like the caterpillar dies and becomes a new creation when it becomes a butterfly. It can't do that for itself. We can't do that for ourselves. So what is this saying? The word transformation that comes from that root word, metamorphosis, it's a word to do with the depth of the inner being. Only God can change the depth of our inner being. But the words that come before it, the word do not be conformed to this world. The word for conform is a, a word to do with the outer things. And it's the outer things that we've got to look to. It says do not conform or in some versions turn away from those things that the world would try and shape us with and mould us through. So our part is not to fixate on trying to change our mindset. Our part is to fixate on how do I not allow the world to shape me. And worldly values do shape us. So there's just so much contrast in this chapter between worldly values and biblical values. So let me just say a few of our current values in our culture around us that have seeped into the church which I believe God is pressing that reset button to get rid of number one individualism number two self-centeredness number three being celebrity minded and concerned about status number four consumerist what's in it for me and then another one, division. Division between um, the different races. Division between the young and old. And so on. These things are in our culture and there'll be many more than that. I've just picked these out for an example. Are these in this scripture? This scripture's talking about community the corporate he's talking about being self-sacrificing rather than self-centered in self-centeredness he's talking about humility rather than pride and being celebrity minded he's talking about serving and giving and bringing things together rather than division 
So we need to recognise the culture that we're living in and recognise how much of that has been affecting me and been affecting us even as churches. And it's as we consciously decide we're going to turn away from these values. So when, when someone I know talks about the kind of things they've been doing and achieving, sometimes there is that sense of, oh, when you see someone that you've uh, known for a long time and churched with for a long time and they're being raised into leadership and so on and you still seem to be, oh, I'm not sure whether I'm still supposed to be making the tea, you know, we're not supposed to get into this contest for maybe I need this badge that says I'm a leader. Someone else should be making the tea now. That's not our heart. That's not where we should be. We should be rejoicing for those who are finding that they're released in, into their callings and carrying on doing those things that we know God's given us to do. And as we turn away from these worldly values, he does the transforming You know, in, in verse 3, it talks about thinking of ourselves according to sound judgment. Not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So that means we don't think of ourselves in the manner, well, well you know, I'm not sure, I, you know, well, I'm a prophet. So I, I shouldn't be, make, you know, someone else should be making the tea and coffee. I'm a prophet. I shouldn't be putting the chairs out on a Sunday morning. You know, my place is at the front. But neither should I be thinking. Equally so, and you know, so those of you who don't think like that, you're probably sitting back now thinking, well, I know I don't think like that. No, but neither should we be thinking, well, I only ever should put the chairs out. I want to stay at the back. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be the one to have to this or that. Because that's not right either. And, and I was saying something yesterday about, about this, this thing at the end of, this verse at the end of 1 Corinthians that talks about God choosing the weak to bring to nothing those things um, that, that seem to be strong. And I was talking about how I liked the message version that talks about the nobodies being chosen to bring to nothing those things that the somebodies think are important. But you know, we're not to be thinking in terms of nobodies and somebodies. We're supposed to be thinking in terms of we are hidden with Christ in God. It's him that we're supposed to be focusing on, not us, not having that self-centeredness and that um, self being consumed with myself and where I belong and my gifting and whether I'm released in this or released in that or whether I'm not released in this or released in that or whether I'm free of this or not free of that. We're supposed to be dead. In every sense of the word except with the living sacrifices because we are a new creation in Christ. We are hidden now with Christ in God and so what seems to happen as we go through this is we've we've skewed everything from what it should look like 
So we're told that just as there's many members in one body, all the members not having the same function, it's like we don't see that. We see that there's many members in one body, but we only seem to see a certain few functions and we don't really count the rest, do we? Who, who made your coffee this morning? That is, you know, when people regularly are doing that kind of thing out there in the background, they're gift, they've got gifting in that. We ignore them. Who put the chairs out and who will put them away? And yeah, maybe a caretaker does it for you here, I don't know. But in our place, if we have certain things, we've got to shift all the furniture and so on. Put all these wires out and what have you. Who does that and then puts it all away again afterwards? Do you appreciate that? Or do you just listen to Rog doing his sermons and the people that come out and prophesy regularly and I think, wow. And we only really count those functions. No, we all have each, it says, each one has. And we have gifts that differ. But it's so clearly about body life, this bit. So, where we're at right now, what's happening? Take a step back. Take a step more objectively away from how this current situation will impact you and your family. And just look at it. When we started reading the book of Acts, we get to the point where the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost and it's amazing, and 3,000 are added in one day, it says. But what came not long after that? The dispersion. The breaking up of what was seemingly growing and thriving was broken up and everyone's dispersed in different directions because of what came at them. So God is sovereign, so nothing happens that he doesn't know about. But a dispersion came. Why? Because the gospel was going to many different places. What's happening now? A big attempt to shut down and close so many things, including the church. Not because anyone's decided to persecute the church, but because this thing is happening where we can't meet, we can't shake hands, we can't hug, we can't touch. And before much longer, we probably have to stay at home. The Bible says community, one body, everything being brought together under one head. And circumstances will say, isolate yourself, be on your own. You see what I'm saying? The enemy will have a field day. We have to look different. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying ignore all advice. No, what I'm saying is we have to be in that time where we are on our own, just with our own family, whatever. We have to remember we are part of a community. We have to be body-minded. So we have to be praying, not only for ourselves, but for the rest of those who we church with. We have to be praying 
um, about and asking God to show us, is there anyone currently that we would normally be sat next to worshipping with? Is there anyone who may have need that somehow I can help with? Is there any way that we can um, communicate together? You know, a lot of people have got gadgets like iPads that do FaceTime. Maybe we can have a FaceTime home group meeting. You know, we have to actively think like this because we have to actively preserve the sense of being body and community together, being God's people together, even though we have to follow the set advice. And so we've got gifts. It says we've got gifts, as all these members, that differ accordingly. And each of us is to exercise them. You know, and I find this with sometimes, particularly when I'm talking about prophecy and people ask me questions, the one big thing that someone will say is, how do I know it's God? And my stock answer is, you can't know that it's God. (laughs) Because it means you have to step out and take a risk. But that applies to all the gifts. So we can sit at home and we can be earnestly desiring a spiritual gift and earnestly desiring to step out in whatever gift and yet we can be thinking, oh, but I don't know if it's God. We have to trust that God is in us. He said that he's changed us. We're a new creation, so it's his voice telling us. It's his voice that's going to tell you in these coming weeks, ring up so-and-so, they just need a chat. It's his voice that's going to say in these coming weeks, just just try and send an email to such and such. They need some encouragement. It's his voice that's going to say to you in these coming weeks, you know, just try FaceTiming such and such. They need to see a friendly face. Don't ignore it. But it goes on to talk about the different gifts, serving, teaching, exalting, giving, and so on. And basically these, these different gifts, they're there to serve community. So let me pose another one. Some people might find that they've got no income during this time, or very little income. So, suppose this voice says to you, you know that new washing machine you were going to get? You'll have to hang on another year or two because so-and-so needs some money. Don't ignore it. Serve in whatever gift you have. And if you've got that faith to give, give it. You know, the gifts are not there as a badge for us. And this is one of the the cultural things that's invaded the church big time. You know, if I've got a gift, it means I can wear this big badge that says, oh, gifted one on it. (laughs) You know, I, I could do with borrowing Cheryl's 
badge right now. It, it's a huge bag that even I can read it from here that says welcome team on it. But a lot of us have these invisible badges on that say, oh, gifted one in big letters. Because we think that the gifts will give us some kind of kudos. And do you know what kudos means? It means glory. Whose is rightly the glory? It's not mine. And, and when I did this kind of thing at the Young Leaders Conference, I told them something of, of stepping out in prophecy and speaking in tongues for the first time um, in my early Christian life against a tide of, this is not for today. And I told them the story how I, we were, uh, because poor Stuart was considered to have been totally led off the rails by me, because not long after I came into this, of course, then he was baptised in the Spirit and spoke in tongues, and so I'd led him astray. And so we were eventually asked to leave the church. And then we were told, and by the way, no other church in the town is going to have you. And I, I told them the story as it unfolded, of how gradually I became the witch from a long line of witches. And I was casting spells on people by posting little notes through their door that I had prayed a spell on before I posted it. Or I'd spoken curses onto a, a cassette tape. The, if you don't know what one of them is, ask Paul Mogford later. Um, I'd spoken curses into a cassette tape and then I'd unwound the tape and I'd gone and put this tape all around the boundary of people's houses in the middle of the night. I was sacrificing cats and I was going putting the blood over the doorposts of people's houses. It's all, it's all a bit of a joke to me now, but imagine going through that in your own hometown. And imagine everybody going on the other side of the road and not speaking to you. Imagine going in a shop and they won't serve you. Going in the bank and not being served. And imagine therefore eventually having to move out of the town. Because that's what happened as a result of having gifts. It's not about your glory or my glory, it's about his glory. And these gifts belong in the church. And let me, if I've got time, exhort you to get back into speaking in tongues in your own prayer life. Lots of people do it now. You would never have that battle because it's, it's part of churching these days. But you know what, I've noticed actually it's also not part of church in these days. Back in, in that day, the battle was with these things are not for today. <clears throat> but right now, the battle is these things don't matter today. And we don't want to lose it. We don't want to lose what God so wonderfully restored to his church 40 and 50 and 60 years ago. And that was happening to me just as Terry Virgo was giving up his vacuum cleaning salesman job. And that was all starting to happen down in the south of England. And this was happening to me in the north of England. And I have not fixed this with Terry, but I know his heart would be the same as mine right now. Let's 
push and battle for these things that are here and written out and biblical. These things are for the body. But the gift of tongues in the private use is meant to build you up. It's meant to encourage yourself. It's meant to strengthen yourself. You're going to need to speak in tongues in these next few weeks. When you, go, when you get worn down with your own four walls and fed up and you start here in the enemy, say, oh, well, and all the arguments and all the things and all the battles you might have, you're going to need to refute them. And you're going to need to praise God. And you're going to need to remind the enemy who's God in your life and who's king in your life. And you're only going to be able to do that by maintaining that relationship with him, maintaining your walk with the spirit, and other people won't be there to help you other than God himself. Get back into speaking in tongues and find out what happens when you do it for an hour. You have amazing senses of something breaking through. Because we can all do it for a few minutes and our mind wanders about what we need to do next. Oh, and yes, I mustn't forget I need to go to the bank today as well. But there comes a point, if you keep doing it, where your mind begins to fix on God and a whole realm of who he is and his glory opens up within you and strengthens you. And in the book of Jude it says... Keep yourselves in the love of God. It says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that by praying and praying in tongues. Of course, in its corporate element, it needs interpretation and so on. But it's really important that it happens in our personal life. So I just want to exhort us... to get back in to what we really look like. You know, in those early years when it was not for today um, and we had to move and everything to a different place, I began to read some books that were coming out and these books, I, I obtained them and I felt as if I should have them in a brown paper bag so that no one could see them. But... Um, they're still prized on my bookshelf. I don't know whether you can get hold of them today, but if you can, get hold of them. Arthur Wallace, In the Day of Thy Power. I was privileged to hear Arthur Wallace speak on a number of occasions. Another book that he wrote, Pray in the Spirit. Dennis Bennett, The Holy Spirit in You. Nine o'clock in the morning, a classic about how the spirit came and changed lives. Catherine Coleman, I believe in miracles. And then a little bit later, John Wimber came in the early 80s and took the UK by storm, the UK churches by storm, bringing a lot of teaching about God healing today. Some of John Wimber's books, Power Healing. Do we really believe these things? And I've got a real passion that God gave us a legacy 
It talks about an inheritance that we each have, a legacy. But we are not meant to lose that. We are meant to keep it sharp and strong and pass it on, which is why I'm fired up with this stuff I'm wanting to say to you. Don't let us slip into these things don't matter today. These things matter. And these things are the things that build us up. And so, if you go back to verse 1, therefore, what is our response to the gospel? We are supposed to look wildly different. Not worried about any kind of status. Because we're hidden with him. Hidden in Christ with him. Not concerned about our self to the degree that we're pushing past others and trampling on them to buy the next bit of toilet roll that comes into the shop. And I know we don't do that. Concerned about community, at every level we can maintain that. Because, you know, when we come out the other side of what's going on right now, some people will have forgotten what it is to have a conversation. Some people who found it difficult before this will have completely gone in themselves. Think about those kind of people. Some people will have relearned that, well, I don't need to greet people by shaking their hand. That that the enemy does to isolate people will have deepened. And we want to come out of this actually having sharpened our community sense and our sense of body because we want to look different, don't we? We want to have a different message, something different to portray. So I just want, I just want to leave you with asking you to challenge your own thinking and your own mindset and not let it conform you, but rather allow the spirit to transform you as you turn away from those kind of things. And I want to encourage you to be active in this time in stepping out in the things that we read in this chapter even though we will have to find super creative ways of doing it. To bear in mind the rest of our body together. So, you know, it might be a bit, it might be a bit of a novelty the first few days. Whoa, I can watch that box set that I've been meaning to watch all this time. <laughs> oh, I can get that room decorated that I've been going to do for the last three years. So it'll be a bit of a novelty, won't it? But actually, the novelty will wear off. And actually, what about those? Those others among you, just among yourselves, let alone your neighbours. And as I said, your battles are going to be different to mine. But please keep in mind, these principles in this chapter do matter today. So keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep building yourself up in your faith. Keep searching the Scriptures, and testing out every experience against the Scriptures, testing out every latest book that you might read against the Scriptures. Keep serving the church. 
and keep believing for miracles and keep praying for healings. You know, Wimber used to say this, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And pray and persevere. And I, I just, just to close, I, I really kind of kept thinking about that. Um, just last night, I kept thinking about that Matt Redman song that says, I'm coming back, coming back to what the heart of worship is because I made it something else. And he says, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I've made it. And I feel like I want to say, I'm sorry, Lord, for what we've made church look like when it should look like something very different. And indeed... God's pressing the reset button. He, he's like, come on, let's start again. Bing. He's revolutionising how we look. This is kind of not ministry as such, but I just felt that just as that passage starts with therefore, in other words, what is your response to this gospel message? I just want to start with, therefore, what is your response to some of the little bits of things I've said this morning? And I just think, if you feel this should be and is a response in your heart, that in some way you want to press into these things, a time when it looks like, well, all we do is retreat, I just want to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm not picking anyone out. I'm just saying, if there's a response in you... Yeah, we need to look different. We need to be the church that Paul is writing about in Romans. Let's respond to that. And let's ask God to reset whatever he feels he should reset in each of our lives. So Father, I just want to say, will you come amongst us as your... This, we stand here as your church individually members of it but Father we know that you are creating a people made to display your glory made to look different made to affect the world to bring about more disciples being added in and Father, we confess that we don't know how that can happen sometimes. But Father, you know, you know what you're doing. And we say we trust you entirely. But Father, we say we want to turn away from worldly values and worldly culture. We want to turn away from being so concerned about ourselves that we're not mindful of others. We want to turn away from that individualism. We want to turn away from that power seeking and that glory seeking that says, well, I must have a role, I must have a ministry, I must have some kind of label. We want to turn away from that, Father, because we want to lay our lives down again and say, we are crucified with Christ and it is now no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Father, I want to live for him. We want to live for you, Father. So, Father, I pray, will you help us 
and more in particular right now with knowing how we can help build your body, encourage one another, strengthen one another in a time of seeming isolation. Father, I pray, will you give us creative ways of keeping connections going? And Father, will you give us those things that come from you, words for one another, prayers for one another, deeds that can be done on one another's behalf. Father, will you speak into each one of us? And Father, just as when the dispersion came in Acts, mighty things came out of that. Father, we are looking to you and we say we trust you for this that's sweeping our nation and sweeping the world. We trust that out of this, your church will rise up and look and be something completely different that brings glory to you and causes numbers to be added to your church. Father, we give ourselves to you in this time afresh and say, here we are, living sacrifices. And Father, we turn away from all that the world would try and squeeze us into. And we take on your values, Father. We say we're part of a community, individually members of it. And we say we want to step out in any gifts that you give us to serve that community. And so, Father... We say, keep us now in perfect peace as we fix our eyes upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.